Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Recently, the Office of Personnel Management released a personnel vetting questionnaire for a special comment period. What is the PBQ, you may be asking? It is the update for the SF-86 or SF-85 or SF-85P, currently used to process security clearance, background investigations, and public trust, high-risk public trust positions within the federal government. During that comment period, the Intelligence and National Security Alliance offered their feedback on everyone's favorite security clearance form. We're joined today by Larry Hanauer. Larry is the Vice President for Policy at INSA, and he's here today to talk about this PVQ and security clearance questionnaire update and why something like this form is important to the community. So on that note, thank you so much, Larry, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Lindy. Glad to be here. And I would like to kind of start with that and speak to that first. Why the personal vetting questionnaire? Why does an organization like INSA provide comments during this comment period on some Something like the SF-86 replacement. Sure. So INSA has a clear interest in, in making sure that personnel vetting forms and questionnaires are clear and, and enable people to report information accurately because INSA promotes public-private collaboration on intelligence and national security issues. We have a, a, about 160 or so member companies who support the Defense Department, the Intelligence Community, Department of Homeland Security, and others. And they need cleared personnel to support the contracts they get with government agencies. And if the process of investigating people and adjudicating their applications and granting them clearances is really slow and inefficient, which at times it has been, then it's hard for them to support their government sponsors. So INSA has a a clear interest and INSA members have a clear interest in making sure that the, the clearance investigation and adjudication processes are effective and efficient. The changes really are pretty dramatic in in some ways. And, you know, the new form, the personal vetting questionnaire, has a couple of clear improvements over the SF-86 and and the other materials that sometimes people use. First of all, the language in the new PVQ is is plainer and clearer than in the SF-86. And clear language will lead to more accurate responses and fewer complicated answers that require someone to review an application by hand, which just takes a lot of time. So, you know, keep it simple is a good mantra. And and I think the PVQ is is simpler and easier for people to, to fill out. Secondly, the government previously had different forms for people to use depending on whether they were applying for a job that required a security clearance or just a public trust determination. And if you if you wanted to sort of upgrade your clearance for a subsequent job, then you had to do another form. Well, the PVQ will replace all of these and applicants will only have to answer the parts that are relevant for the job they're seeking. But a single form will make it easier for agencies to handle And it'll make it easier for people to add information and update information later on if they apply for a higher level of access. So it's just useful to keep all of the information in a single form, a single format, and not have to have multiple forms that people constantly have to update and resubmit. 
Let's just get started by talking about the PVQ. What does an updated form mean for national security workers and why does it matter for an organization like INSA? So it matters a lot for INSA and our member organizations. INSA is uh, an association that is dedicated to promoting public-private collaboration in intelligence and national security issues. So we have about 160 or so member companies who all support intelligence agencies, Defense Department components, Department of Homeland Security, and other government agencies. And they need people with security clearances to to support their clients. So if the investigation and adjudication process is slow and inefficient, which it has been at times, then cleared contractors can't hire people, get them cleared, and put them to work to support their their government clients. So for INSA, this is a very important issue. We want to provide whatever insights we can to make sure that the security clearance process is effective and efficient. The new form itself is a a real improvement in in quite a number of ways over the SF-86, but let me just highlight two. So first of all, the language in the new personnel vetting questionnaire, the PBQ, is just plainer and clearer than the language in the SF-86. Clear language will just lead to more accurate responses and fewer complicated answers that require a human being to take a look at the form and review it, which is awfully time-consuming. So the form should be simpler and clearer, and that should just make everything more efficient and, uh, and speedier. The government used to have different forms for people to use depending on whether they were applying for a job that required a security clearance or just a public trust determination. The PVQ will replace all of these, and so uh, and applicants will only have to answer the parts that are relevant for the job that they're seeking. But having a single form will make it easier for agencies to handle, and it'll make it easier for people to add information or update information later on if they apply for a higher level of access at a later point in time. So basically having all the information in one form in one place, in one format, is going to make the process uh, significantly more efficient. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's a really wise decision to consolidate the form and and put it into those different parts in one vetting form. Kind of really fits what they're doing with Trust Workforce 2.0 and seems to make a lot of sense. So again, this is still not a final document. It's still a bit of a working document. So there was this public comment period where folks with stakeholders, folks with an interest could provide comments. INSA did offer some insight into that comment period. So I want to kind of walk through some of those those bullets and buckets and some of the things that you kind of provided comment on and, and discussed. So the first topic being changes to marijuana use and marijuana as a security matter. So kind of what are the changes there and what's your feedback on that? The form treats marijuana use as a separate issue from a candidate's use of any other illegal drugs that they they might have used before they fill out the form, before they apply for a, a cleared position. And the government's decision to treat marijuana use differently from other drugs that are on the federal schedule, frankly, is, is long overdue. What the PVQ is going to do now, compared to the SF-86, is make it easier for applicants to be specific about their history of drug use, if they have one. And that'll enable adjudicators to assess whether an applicant's use of federally illegal drugs really poses a security risk. You know, the federal government is interested in whether a job candidate has a drug problem, could be blackmailed, or has engaged in a a pattern of illegal behavior. And although marijuana remains illegal at the federal level, it's legal in more than 38 states plus D.C. and Guam for either medical or recreational purposes. So the federal government doesn't really have an interest in eliminating candidates who have engaged in activity that's legal at the state level. It's just not worth the government's time, and there's no evidence, there hasn't been any evidence to suggest that pre-employment marijuana use alone creates a security risk. 
Furthermore, the director of national intelligence, who oversees security policy for the the entire federal government, issued guidance in December 2021 that said that pre-employment marijuana use will, from that point forward, be considered as a factor, but not as a determinative or disqualifying factor in making decisions on clearances. So to elicit information that's relevant to security decisions, the PVQ really has to ask different and more nuanced questions about drug use than the SF-86 did, because if it lumps questions about drug use all into a single question, then it's impossible to differentiate between occasional pre-employment marijuana use, which now the DNI says is not a disqualifying factor, and use of some other substance that would still be disqualifying. The form now allows for that extra detail and extra nuance. One other thing that's that's kind of interesting, there's been a great deal of confusion about whether the use of CBD, which is derived from marijuana, is disqualifying, even though it can be found in soap, shampoos, oils, and other perfectly legal products that you can buy you know, at your local farmer's market or Whole Foods or wherever. The DNI's guidance on marijuana use didn't really provide a clear answer on CBD. It basically said that because THC levels in CBD aren't regulated, CBD use could result in a positive drug test, so use at your own risk. But what the PDQ makes clear is that the use of cannabis products containing minimal levels of THC, like CBD, doesn't need to be disclosed. And so that's a huge clarification. And it's just going to eliminate confusion on the part of applicants. It's going to eliminate the provision of a lot of irrelevant information that some human being is going to have to take time to review, which then just delays the processing of of the application form. Yeah. And another key change to the form is around political violence and domestic terrorism. So maybe talk through that a little bit. That's obviously been a hot topic in the news and something that's created a lot of chatter and interest and hate, you know, issues with the current SF-86 and saying, are the questions clear enough? You know, how does the PBQ change that? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, a lot of us have probably chuckled when we're in a clearance interview and an investigator asks if we've ever been part of an organization that's advocated the violent overthrow of the U.S. government. But events of the past few years have really demonstrated that this question is actually very relevant and and needs to be asked. The problem, though, is that the SF-86's questions on this topic were just too vague and too broad and not really current, don't reflect the ways in which people actually organize and act nowadays. So, you know, in an era when people organize on social media or on chat boards, what does it mean to be a member of an organization? That's something the SF-86 asked, are you a member of an organization that did all these things? Well, it's not like the 1930s when people paid dues to the American Communist Party and they got a membership card and they appeared on a membership roster. That term is just kind of outdated. Not only that, what's an organization? Is a Reddit chat board that advocates political violence an organization that I have to report? And if I post a message on a subreddit, am I a member of it? So the terms on the SF-86 just no longer matched up with the ways in which people behave and gather and organize. The other interesting question is that an applicant's sincere beliefs might actually enable them to answer no to behavior that the government would clearly consider disqualifying. So what if a candidate thinks that their use of force wasn't intended to overthrow the government, but merely to reform it in some critical way? Does that mean the candidate can respond no to the question about whether they tried to overthrow the government because they see it differently? The, the wording of those questions was just too vague and, and just didn't reflect the, the, the situation that the country is in. 
IMSA recommended that the PVQ's questions be clarified so they elicit clear facts about a candidate's activities, taking into consideration the you know, present-day ways of organizing and ensuring that a candidate's personal perception of his or her actions doesn't influence the answer. Awesome. Well, now we get to get a little wonky, which is obviously, I, I always love that part. So e-adjudication, which folks might not necessarily be aware of, but kind of a process to streamline and speed up the clearance process. You did have some feedback on e-adjudication as it relates to the PBQ. So what was that specifically? Right. So INSA recommended that the PBQ be formatted in a way that would facilitate uh, electronic adjudication or e-adjudication of the information and also facilitate automated sharing of information among agencies. In a nutshell, too many free text answers on the forms slow down review and adjudication, and also make it harder for agencies to compile data and share data. So having things like drop-down answers, basically multiple choice questions, when appropriate, will enable faster, more automated reviews and engage human adjudicators really only when necessary. People will still have the opportunity in many cases to add free text the form will sort of drive people to choose from the multiple choice options. Also, consistent formatting of the responses will just make it easier for cleared personnel to, to move between agencies and contracts. The standardized answers, you know, if you've got five options in the drop-down menu, those standardized answers will make it easier for agencies to review someone's paperwork and pass their clearances, you know, maybe even without a human review, because you can just check to see the answers are no, 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 and, and that's it. For contractors, that means likely getting people to work faster, right? because they don't have to wait for their paperwork to be reviewed or their clearance to be re-adjudicated. And if they can get on a contract faster and show up to work on site faster, they can execute the government's mission more effectively. Yeah. And you bring up a great point because we talk about that at clearance jobs when it comes to the, you know, the process, there's only so many things candidates or contractors can do to speed up the process. But one of the best things they can do is filling out the SF-86 correctly. And you rightly point out that the fewer options for error that are included naturally in the form and just the way it's intuitively created will absolutely improve and speed up that process. I remember learning from a briefing a while ago, and I don't remember the statistics, but there's a, a fairly large percentage of SF-86 forms that were returned to the applicants because there was an error in the information, not necessarily a factual error, but the applicant basically didn't follow the directions, didn't fill out the information correctly. And that's just time consuming, right? That means that it has to go back to the applicant. They have to resubmit it. It has to get back sort of in the queue and back to a reviewer. So if there are fewer options to choose from, and a lot of those options are automated, multiple choice, basically, then hopefully a lot of those cases where forms have to be returned to someone and then reevaluated can just be eliminated. Yeah, and then another point I definitely wanted to touch on because this was one that I had not actually noticed in my own reading of the form was the PBQ language around conditions of sharing the information specifically with contractors. And obviously that's going to be an important topic for INSA members. So kind of talk through that and what your feedback was on that portion of the form. Yeah, this gets sort of complex, but basically the PVQ includes language that seems to narrow the so-called routine uses for which the government can share applicants' information. Currently, when an applicant submits the SF-86, he or she consents to the disclosure of that information under one of 27 routine uses that are deemed permissible under the Privacy Act. One of these routine uses, which is specified on the, the SF-86 instructions, is to disclose the information to contractors who are, who are undertaking a contract for the government. So by submitting the form, the applicant provides this prior consent that authorizes the government to provide a company employing the cleared person with information from his or her SF-86 form. Why do companies need that? Well, 
companies that do classified work are required by the government to implement insider threat programs that try to identify people who, who may pose a risk and then mitigate those risks. So companies need information that the applicants provide for their clearance in order to implement these mandatory insider threat programs. Now, the PVQ seems to add conditions compared to the SF-86 that could limit this information sharing. It says that information can be disclosed to contractors, and this is the new part, when necessary to accomplish an agency function related to this system of records. I'm not sure that language necessarily adds anything. I mean, it's, it's sort of clear that information would only be shared when necessary. The point is that it is necessary to share the information because companies are required to execute these insider threat programs and they need information in order to do so. And if an applicant provides information to the government for a clearance, and provides consent for that information to be shared, then clearly it's relevant to the insider threat program that the, the cleared contractor is running. So INSA recommended that the PVQ just drop this additional language. There's just there's no need to create confusion about whether it's it's quote unquote necessary to share information that could mitigate an insider threat and that an applicant voluntarily provided. So we just recommend that they eliminate that phrase and go back to the original language from the SF-86 instructions. Yeah, I think that is super wise feedback. Just having been around this, you really don't want language that can be misconstrued around this process because if you're talking to security professionals in particular, they are going to err on the side of not sharing that information even with stakeholders or individuals who might need it or benefit from it. That's right, Lindy. And in fact, you know, what's interesting is since the last time the SF-86 was updated, not only was the requirement put in place that companies had to have these insider threat programs, so that suggests it's necessary to share relevant information, but Congress has actually passed legislation in the FY22 NDAA that directed agencies to share relevant insider threat information about a contractor employee with the contractor firm. So it's pretty clear that, you know, both from the executive branch's own actions by mandating insider threat programs and by Congress's actions to direct insider threat information sharing, that it is actually more necessary than before to share information that applicants provide on their paperwork. It seems like, you know, sharing information with contractors would meet the standard that this new language seems to create, but it's just not necessary to update the standard. It's it's clear that cleared contractors need information about their employees, that their employees voluntarily provided so they can assess risks. Yeah. And so this is a pretty significant overhaul of the security clearance application process. Obviously, your recommendations honed in on the top ones and the ones that were most relevant to the government. But what are maybe some of the other changes on the form or within the PVQ that you didn't specifically address in your comment period? Yeah, the form is different in a lot of ways, and we just couldn't address every single one of them. But one that I would point out is kind of important, I think. The PVQ makes changes to questions that are asked about mental health, which is terrific, given that society treats mental health care very differently than it did the last time these security questionnaires were updated. The new PVQ questions focus uh, on serious illnesses that could affect someone's behavior or reliability rather than on the, the routine mental health issues for which many people seek counseling, like depression or anxiety or treatment for trauma. People should be encouraged to seek treatment for mental health conditions, not stigmatized for doing so. And in fact, most agencies and, and most cleared contractors and, and you know many others uh, throughout the country are really encouraging their employees and their team members to seek mental health care if they feel they need to. You know, so the new PVQ questions reflect the present day emphasis on promoting people's health and well-being rather than stigmatizing them for seeking help for challenges they may face. And that's a really welcome change. Yeah, I think splitting out the form even, like you mentioned the way it does with the drug issues and then having kind of mental health treated in a separate bucket really does kind of create 
the individuality of the form that better reflects the government vetting process, which is trying to become both more universal. So a lot of, you know, the population using the same form across public trusts, across different suitability guidelines, along with creating, again, options and ways to vet out what information is specific and certainly make it easier as potentially things change with marijuana laws or policies or other things down the road. I think, you know, being able to update update the form and make it more relevant without completely overhauling everything. Right. And that's key. And I mean, as we've been talking about, you know, the form is really reflecting new ways in which people interact, new social mores and values. You know, we talked about how, you know, it has to account for the way people interact online when looking at potential support for political violence. It needs to reflect new social mores and new values by recognizing that, you know, a lot of people are using marijuana recreationally because it's legal at the state level, that people are, are seeking mental health care for when they have challenges, which is now seen as a good thing so they can address their problems rather than let them fester. You know, these are things that reflect changes in the way Americans view things like marijuana use or mental health care. And so the form really has to keep up if it's going to, you know, to really assess people who are applying for these jobs. That's also related to the fact that, you know, the, the government's approach to granting security clearances is to look at the whole person, right? So, you know, if you, you know, were late on a loan payment, they're not going to label you as, you know, financially delinquent because they look at the whole context in which, in which your, your financial actions are, are take place. Same way, you know, it's not really enough to check a box that says, yes, I used illegal drugs. If the answer is, well, you know, you tried it once or twice, five years ago, seven years ago when you were in college, like that's just not relevant to what the government needs to make a decision about. By changing the forum, by eliciting more nuanced and more accurate answers, the government's going to be better positioned to make a judgment about applicants as sort of a whole person. I wanted to make sure if there was anything I didn't ask about or touch on about the PBQ or the form or security clearance vetting in general. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? You know, the revisions to the form are a really welcome change. Hopefully this is going to make the, the investigation and adjudication process more effective and efficient. INSA has been working with executive branch agencies for a while and with industry to try to make the security clearance process work better for everyone. And I think this is going to be a pretty important component. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much, Larry, for your time and for chatting with me today. Really appreciate INSA's leadership around this topic and so many other topics around the security clearance process. If you're not familiar, definitely go to insaonline.org. They've done a lot of thought leadership, have a lot of white papers and content and information around this issue. And again, specifically highlighting key ways that the government can make this process better and improve things for, especially for that IC contractor community that has to interact around these topics. So stay tuned for more. Again, I know the PBQ will not be implemented soon. I have a bad habit of lying about how soon these forms and things actually will get done because I tend to be an optimist, but I hear maybe 2024. So you got a year to think about it, but thank you again, Larry, for your time. I really appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clearcast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.